Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 1, Episode 7, titled The Aftermath. This is an excellent episode. I love everything about this thing. It's a brilliant, brilliant half hour of television. Uh, Maybe the best episode so far in this series, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, they could have very easily fallen into the same trap that even Avatar The Last Airbender, as much as I adore that show and it's one of my favorites of all time, occasionally fell into every now and again. They could have very easily fallen into that trap of, here's a big, bombastic, turning point episode with, and the winner is... Here's something that could very easy... Like, here's this massive, massive milestone event. Now he can very easily do a random, forgettable cooldown episode. We could very easily do a random, not all that remarkable, cooldown episode. And just do something wacky and fun that no one will care about. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that this time. Instead, they elected to double down on the intensity of that last episode and make it even more traumatic, even more intense, and even more of a turning point. And that's, like, one of the very few ways that I think this show improves upon the original. Because with Avatar The Last Airbender, they had 20, 21 episode seasons. They could very easily do random, cool down, filler, whatever episodes that you just don't care about. But with Legend of Korra, they have, like, 12, 13, 14 episode seasons. So it's a lot more dense. It's a lot more compact. And they can't afford... To have all those fillers in there, it just is go, 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 go. So the pacing is a lot more consistent. And this is an example of that. In Avatar The Last Airbender, you would have gotten like what? Two? Three episodes? Between this particular plot point and the previous one? But this, it's like back to back. You get the attack at the pro-bending arena, and then immediately, you have the rug pulled out from under you of Hiroshi Sato is an equalist, and now we're having this really bold character piece for a character who, up until this point, no one really cared about. And you're starting off on this entirely new dynamic, and you're 
adding an extra layer to this equalist conflict. And it's really, really brilliant. And as long as we're mentioning it, let's just talk about Asami's arc in general. I told you! I freaking told you! That Asami is a better character than how she was introduced. I told you she gets good. I told you she gets compelling. Asami's whole arc here. Honestly, Asami's arc starts in this episode. This is the episode you start to actually care about her. Uh, We start to establish her as like, yeah, she's a rich girl, but she doesn't wear that on her sleeve by any means. Like, she's a very independent person. Like, she is able to take care of herself. She's not just a defenseless little rich daddy's girl. She's just this badass, intelligent, totally, totally independent, totally self-sufficient human being. And she is kind of on top of things. And then over the episode, you see her love for her father and how that is shaped and how that's evolved uh, throughout the equalist movement. Uh, You see when the investigation into Hiroshi starts, how quickly Asami comes to her father's defense. Like, no, he's innocent. Just because we're not benders doesn't mean we're part of the equalists. No, you're wrong. Go away. And she's like, venomously defending her father. But then she finds out, oh, oh, wait a minute. Hiroshi Sato, my father, actually is an equalist and actually is making their tech and actually is a terrible person. Uh, And, like, it's so heartbreaking. When you see the revelation, when you see Asami realize she does not know her father, when you see Asami realize that her father is a terrible person who has taken part in so much pain and suffering, taken part in a legitimate terrorist organization. Like, it's heartbreaking. It really, really is. And you see these moments, uh, especially in the Secret Factory, when Hiroshi hands Asami the glove, like, you see these moments of genuine confliction. Like, wordlessly... She is going through this inner conflict in herself of, do I side with my friends or do I side with my father? Do I abandon my principles for the purposes of respecting and helping my father? Or do I abandon my love of my father for my morals and my principles? And eventually she does choose the side of the angels. She does choose to be a good person. She does choose her morals and principles over her father and makes the very, very difficult choice of taking that glove and just shocking the hell out of him. She makes the hard choice to choose her ideals over her family, to choose what is right over her family. And when you add in this backstory 
of a bender having taken the life of Hiroshi Sato's wife, Asami Sato's mother. Like, it just adds this extra layer of inner conflict, both within Hiroshi and in Asami. Like, it, oh my god. This episode, like, at the beginning of it, who could care less about the Satos? They're nothing. They're just sort of there. They were kind of a plot device to get the Fire Ferrets in the tournament and also cause some melodrama. End of this episode, oh my god, the Satos are the most compelling aspect of this entire show. Like, it's amazing how quickly and how effectively they handle that turnaround. It's extraordinary. It really, really is. This is a brilliant arc for Asami. That really shows off how complex and how endearing and how deep she is beyond the superficial melodrama that she's just been there to initiate in the previous several episodes. Uh, Now, I do want to take a second... uh, Point out a few minor moments. Uh, the previously on, they changed the format to instead of doing this voice, they have Tarlock giving a press conference, and basically, like, they're using that as a, a recap of the last episode and b a brutal takedown of Beifong. Like, they're moving forward the plot while recapping it at the same time, which is kind of brilliant, which is kind of amazing. Uh, We get this amazing reference to the original series with Cabbage Corp, where they find all all the Equalist weapons at Cabbage Corp, and they arrest the founder of Cabbage Corp, who is the Cabbage Merchant! From the original series! The Cabbage Merchant, I guess, went on to be this big titan of industry and was, like, one of the big technologically technological advancers of this world. Cool, I guess. Like, oh my god. What is the Cabbage Merchant's life? He went from just selling cabbages on the street to building up this technological empire in Republic City. How did that happen? I want a spinoff just of the Cabbage Merchant. Where they show how he got from street vendor to technological mogul. And they're carrying him away (laughs) as... Beifong shutting down Cabbage Corp and he's saying, No! Not my Cabbage Corp! Oh, it's an amazing reference. It's such a satisfying reference. I love it. Uh, But then we also have this moment with Tano at the police station where Korra and Tano are just having this very real discussion, this very real, very heartfelt, very tender discussion where they just take away all of their beef with one another, all of their rivalry in the pro-bending tournament just evaporates. And they have this very real discussion where Korra's like, hey, Tano, I'm I'm really sorry that Amon took your, your bending away. And Tano's like, yeah, I've been to all the best dealers in the city. Whatever Amon did to me, it's permanent. You gotta get him for me. 
And then Korra just silently agrees. It's a really, really nice closing out of the whole Tano v. Korra arc. Of just like, yeah, we had our differences. We were not friendly to one another in the pro bending tournament. But that's not important right now. This is real. You have gone through a horrible tragedy. Like, it's this moment where they just understand one another. Korra understands that Tano is a victim. And Tano understands that Korra is the person that's going to get his quote-unquote revenge for him. Like, they have this mutual understanding of one another as pieces in this larger conflict outside of the pro-bending field. It's a really, really remarkable closing out of that particular arc. Uh, I really like everything that happens at uh, the Sato Mansion. Uh, with Korra, Mako, and Bolin just hanging out with Asami. Uh, the pool <laughs> scene. The pool scene is great. I love, like, Mako and Bolin just messing around in the pool. Bolin is taking advantage of the servant, just getting out of the pool and being like, Dry me, sir. He, he gets Bolin dry, and then Bolin jumps in the pool immediately. <laughs> It's so great. At one point, Bolin and Mako are just roughhousing in the pool as Korra and Asami are talking. And then, like, Korra and Asami just go off to a racetrack. And they just start driving around. And they're having a grand old time. And Korra and Asami are actually, for once, bonding. They're actually becoming friends. And you learn just how independent and free-spirited and endearing Asami can be as a person, as a character. And then immediately that's all destroyed with the Hiroshi investigation. <laughs> Which is this, like, really, really amazing thriller mystery plotline where Korra and Tenzin and Beifong are desperately trying to figure out, okay, did Hiroshi... Is Hiroshi responsible for this? Is he not... Is Hiroshi an equalist? Is he not? Uh, they're doing this like... Like they're genuinely doing like a mystery. They're becoming mystery solvers. They're becoming... Investigators in this scene. Really, really good. Really, really compelling investigators. And the whole way that investigation goes on... While Asami's just like furious that they're even considering Hiroshi. You're an idiot. And he's actually an equalist. Uh, the way they do that is amazing. It's a fantastic, fantastic plotline throughout this entire episode. And of course, eventually this all leads to the secret factory. And what follows is this amazing action sequence. Absolutely brilliant action sequence of Korra, Tenzin, Beifong, and all these other metalbenders against... Hiroshi and his mechs, these big hulking mechs, which are very well designed, by the way. And I love it. And I especially love the line from Hiroshi. Oh, you want me to come out so I can be a victim of your bending? I'm paraphrasing here. No thanks. I think I'll stay in here where things are a little more equal. 
Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So they have this big fight in the secret factory. And it's absolutely amazing. It's so freaking good. It's badass and tense and amazing. Uh, at times, it feels like our heroes could actually die. They do lose and are about to be captured. Uh, and then, thankfully, Mako and Bolin come in and start to save them. And then Asami comes in and saves them. <laughs> because they're idiots and can't do shit. That <laughs> That's the dynamic of the show. Mako and Bolin try to save Korra when she loses. Mako and Bolin are idiots and can't save anyone, so Asami comes in and saves them. That's the whole dynamic of this show, and I love it. I love everything about it. <laughs> oh, but it's this really, really amazing sequence that I love every single little frame of. Uh, it's probably the best action sequence we've seen in this show so far. It's either that or the rooftop scene from the last episode. I'm not sure which. I probably will never know which. Uh, but of course, they do defeat Hiroshi, and they do end up escaping. And then we get this really, really brilliant ending. This really effective ending. Uh, you see Bei Fong proclaim that she's going to resign and look for the metal benders that got captured on her own terms. Uh, outside of the law, which, by the way, I forgot that was a plot line in this show, but it absolutely is. Beifong straight up leaves and looks for her officers, looks for her metal bending officers that got captured by Amon outside of the law. And it's awesome. If I remember correctly, it's freaking badass. So that's a thing. Uh, Korra. Sends an invitation to Mako, Bolin, and Asami all to stay at Air Temple Island. And Korra says to Mako, like, yeah, Asami's gonna need you right now. This is a hard time for her. And then, like, they're all on their airship, uh, away from the Equalist, and then episode ends. God, this episode's amazing. It's so freaking fantastic. I, I love everything about this. Like, keeping up that momentum. Keeping up that momentum 100% all throughout. Man, I cannot wait. There's only, like, what? Five more episodes left in this season? Yeah, there's five more episodes left in this season. And if you don't know, each season of The Legend of Korra is a different conflict. Like, the Equalist conflict only covers the first season. So we got a precious little amount of time left in this particular arc. I'm very excited to cover how this arc closes out. Because it's it goes to some truly amazing places. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined. 
to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra Season 1, Episode 8. Talk to you then.